Oh, what an honor it is to be back here this morning, hear about the wonderful things that God is doing here among you here in the church and how you're continuing to grow here in the time of COVID. We had churches who lost at least a third or more, never to recover, but I appreciate what God is doing among you. When and I attend a church there at home, a young man, he was he's about our daughter's age, and he's kind of like a son to us. We've known him all of his life. He got filled with the Holy Ghost back in uh, Fire on the Mountain there in, in the east in one of our camp meetings and took a church, maybe 16 on Wednesday night, 30-something on Sunday morning, had a congregational Methodist background, but uh, he goes in there, and oh, he had battles, I'm telling you. Sometimes I'd tell him to hold on. Sometimes I'd tell him to give up on that. But he held on. And about, uh, I don't know, August of 2020, he goes in on a Sunday, and, and they come. Young couples, young people, they just start coming. Most of them unchurched, uh, not second-generation Christians, and uh, with children, and they just keep coming. And now we have to get there early to get a seat. Amen. They're standing around the walls, and during the singing, uh, they have a little choir up here, and, but uh, everybody in the congregation stands the whole time. I'm telling you, they stand and sing. People getting saved, drug addicts, I guess much of the church are people who have been delivered from drug addiction, men and women, and uh, just a move of God. Amazing, don't, don't have anywhere to put them. Then there's another little congregation Methodist church in our county that uh, I don't know if they stopped this week, I'm not sure. But last time I pastor texted him, 21 straight nights, and they're just people being saved and coming, and young adults and young people, and just three, I think, one night in that building. I'm not sure it's as big as this, I don't think, but 336 people just standing around the walls. And uh, I'm telling you, folks, God's doing something, isn't he? If you get a chance, if you didn't get to watch it last night, we, we put on a message from 2018, December, uh, live. It was live then, I should say. I did it, uh, a taping of that. Uh, in our what we would call a temporary studio uh, we're building a new one and it's almost finished and uh, should be really close by the time we get back home and I called it uh, Joel's prophecy has begun what the Lord showed me in uh, early 2018 and along during that summer about the coming revival and who it was coming through and so forth and so on it is almost everything in that has come to pass, amen, lately. And so if you get a chance, watch that. On, it's on the River of Life International Facebook page and then on the River of Life International YouTube channel. And uh, I do believe it will be a blessing to you. When that broke out at Asbury College, people went to contact me, some people I didn't know about wanting to hear that again. And, uh, you know, we're just living in a time... And I'm going to share with you this morning what I believe God has given me for the church at this moment in time. We're living in a time, on one hand, it's apostasy, a world. It's insane. Is that right? I'm telling you, folks, Sodom and Gomorrah. Mr. Ravenhill said that if God, 
does not come soon, then he will have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. Well, God will know, owe, owe no one apologies. You just keep looking. Amen. This thing is winding up, winding down, and we are a people of the people of the end time. What a world we live in. And has anybody been keeping up with this, uh, what they call artificial intelligence, AI they call it, the chat box and different things. It's the computer so brilliant, and they don't even know how far the depth of knowledge and ability that it will finally get. Even one of the creators said that he was uh, frightened by it. Think about it. Frightened by it. So they had some of the journalists recently talking to it, and they've let them test it and so forth, and it's not even fully operational. And uh, one of them was testing it, and it just said to him, said, there's times, now this is the, the artificial intelligence talking, said there's times I just want to murder masses of people. It, it frightened them. Think about it. It's insane. It's crazy what's happening today. Mr. Uh, Musk, Elon Musk said, that it's, the, it's more dangerous than nuclear war. Think about it. Pretty sharp guy. We're just living. We're the people. But yet, too many slumbering and sleeping, aren't we? Not realizing the times and seasons that we're living in. Which Paul said, But of the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you for yourselves. Know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. Amen. And then... I'm just telling you, we better be praying and seeking the face of God. So I appreciate you, Lord willing, to be sharing with you again tonight. I wasn't sure, not about what to preach, but about whether to put the cart before the horse or the horse before the cart. Tonight, this morning, or this morning tonight, I just was torn with that. So I, all I know what to do is ask the Lord for direction. In such times, you know, he gives you the word, but you want to know the right timing on it. But I just got back from Israel. Someone asked me about, uh, about Israel. They're in turmoil again. The uh, country's torn with uh, politics just like we are, but theirs is even more messed up because of their, their system of government. And the government may fail and or fall at any time and have to have a new election, about the fifth one then the last, what, two or three years. It's in turmoil, just political chaos. Uh, have you noticed the whole world's in turmoil? Was it in Paris? I saw. I didn't even realize that was happening there. Like in the 60s, they're burning cars and the streets are on fire and just chaos, chaos. The whole world is in trouble. So you and I are the salt of the earth and the light of the world, but we're the only hope. I'm telling you, they're only Jesus they'll see and that they'll know. So you pray for us in Israel. We just had a, a, a gathering there back in December. It was phenomenal. We brought the pastors and their wives together. We paid for everything. I'm telling you, tears running like a river, God moving among those pastors. It, it was a phenomenal thing, and they, they asked pleaded to do it again so the lord willing we'll do that again this year i just got back from planning that and then armenia the house of hope uh last time i was there the widows they're doing wonderful uh taken care of wonderfully i should say and then uh we went down where those children were 
I might have shared this with you last year. And Veronica took me down near the border of Turkey, and it's in Armenia where the children are living in poverty, uh, extreme poverty. If uh, one family was in a cattle barn, they, uh, if there's a father in the picture, he's an abusive alcoholic most of the time. It, most of the time, there's not one. Children are hungry. They can't go to school because they can't afford it. They live in absolute squalor. So I said, find a, a property or a building that we can bring these children to that place and do something for them. I mean something, you know, to get them out of that. So she sends me a message uh, last summer, I guess it was, and she said, I found a property. The walls were already erected. It was going to be a wedding venue, a huge facility, and uh, $57,000. Here in California, it would be over a million, I'm telling you. And it just walls. The property would be worth that. So uh, she said, we can buy it. I'm telling you, it's amazing. I never got a newsletter out or anything. In fact, just recently sent those out. And I, I got, went to the mailbox, to the mail, and I got an envelope from a couple. They're not rich folks. They're just hardworking people. And they paid for the property, $57,000. Amen. <laughs> and I've given since. So uh, <clears throat> they're supposed to start in March this month, but... It, I don't know how long it will take to finish the first phase of it. And then the second phase, it will have classrooms for those kids. We're going to bring them to it. And they'll have classrooms so they'll get an education. It will have a kitchen and cafeteria so they can eat when they don't get to eat. And then they can take showers and clean up because most of them have no running water. And then there will be a vocational part of it where they'll learn a trade. The girls can learn to fix hair, and the boys can learn to be shelves and things of that nature. So they don't have to repeat the same cycle of poverty over and over and over again. So as of right now, to finish it, it's about a half million dollars. But uh, if you see on the newsletter, if you just look, uh, the art architect's rendering of that, I never was a Lego person when I was a kid. But someone told me, said, that's a Lego building. I got to looking at it, and sure enough, he's got little things on it. looks like a Lego, but it's a huge Lego building. But you pray for us that the Lord would help us. And, the, and uh, after next weekend at Brother Ship's conference, I think maybe after the next weekend, I'm headed back, back to Armenia. And then later on in uh, April to Argentina. Would you stand with me? I want you to turn with me to Ephesians 5.27. I've used this verse a, a lot in a lot of messages. And the reason I, I guess I felt torn, I know sometimes on Sunday morning have people visiting and uh, maybe they don't know a whole lot about the church and when we talk about the end times and so forth, but, uh, but uh, they need to know, don't they? And we need to know more. We have, a, we have a church age that knows about religion, but not a lot about the Word of God. And uh, we really need to know the Word of God, especially now. But he said this, when people say that, you know, this, the church is it's going to get worse and worse and 
as far as the church is concerned, and we're just kind of holding on the way to get out. But he said that he, talking about Christ, might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you. I thank you for the privilege to share the Word of God here to this congregation as always. I, it's an honor, but Lord, I can't say or do anything that would affect people except you, you give it. And I, I pray for that fresh unction and that fresh oil, fresh anointing, and I ask that you'd anoint the people to hear and receive the Word. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. You may be seated. I want to talk to you this morning about the church of, of the end of days. Now, when it comes to churches, I, I know maybe in a five square mile or ten or so of this area right here, there are probably, I, I don't know, a hundred churches or more, I guess. I, I'm not sure, but I can tell you in the south, they're on every corner. I mean, they're like, they're like little uh, gas stations, you know, or little stops where you have little grocery stores. They're everywhere. So we've got all kinds of churches in this age, but we're making such a small impact, if any at all, on the lost and on the, uh, on the world that you and I live in. And everybody claims to have or to be the church, and, 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 and some are, are saying that they're the right ones because uh, of their various symbols of faith, if you will. Many, some have emphasis on certain things, uh, their particular doctrines, their emblems of the outward, their methods of baptism, their style of worship, and, and the list could just go on and on and on. But I, I want to talk to you this morning about, about the church and about you and I. And at the risk of offending I don't believe the majority of the church has a grasp on what the one essential and climax in understanding of that true church is and what makes that church really the church of the end of days. But I do believe that's coming to a people, a remnant of God's people in this hour. I know that God is doing something in our nation as I know that for a fact. I've seen, I'm seeing that taking place. And these little revivals, as you call them, could call them that, that are springing up and, and, and how that God is pouring out His Spirit upon the, the generation Xers and the millennials that everybody has given up on is a sign of the sovereignty of God. And when Jesus said, I'm going to present myself to church glorious, folks, he meant just that. And he and he alone can do such a thing in the times that we're living in. Amen. But I believe it's coming into view. I believe it's coming to pastors. And, and I thank God that I know several of them and I can see that working. I, I am blessed. I get sitting around thinking about it sometimes and the fellowship that I have with certain brethren that uh, I can see that deep work of God taking place in their lives and their ministries and what God is doing among their people. And, I, and it is a great testimony. In Ephesians 1.17, he said that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and 
revelation in the knowledge of him. I used to make fun of these televangelists when they talked about revelation, and, and I still, I, I, I don't fill myself with that knowledge for sure because most of that is nonsense. But when it comes to the revelation of this word, the word of God, I do believe that God is bringing a clearer revelation of his truth in this hour. I, I've made this statement in preaching, and I believe it's true, that while the book of Ephesians and and Colossians are for all time. Ever since the, the man of God penned that to the church in his day, I know they are certainly for the times that you and I are living in. When he talks about sitting in heavenly places and, and, and making known the manifold wisdom of God, the principalities, folks, that, that is bigger than you and I, I can tell you for a fact. It's certainly for the end. And I'm also certain that the early church and early Christians walked in that light. They may have not have had a theological basis for it because in those days, early on, they only had the Old Testament, but they lived that by the Spirit. But I do believe that most today are not walking in that light and experience, but I do believe it's coming. I, I'm, I'm confident of that. And because I'm convinced it is the time of prophetic fulfillment and prophetic understanding when it comes to the church what our purpose is and the eternal purpose of God and the end of days that we are living in. Now, I've lived to see a church age that all my life talked about the Lord's coming and the end of time and surely we're at the end, but I, I can tell you, I can watch that, those same folks today, what's left of them, you know, I, I, I can see they really don't believe that we're living in the end of days because they just keep on living life for themselves, if you will, to the fullest. And, and they really don't think about the times in that respect. Now, if there's a war that breaks out or if they read an article about a chip in the finger or chip in the head or whatever, they get kind of stirred up. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about being the light and involved in God's eternal plan in these last days. I want to say with love but with warning that if we don't understand that it's not going to end well with us. So there, there is a sign, uh, you could say, if you will, of the end of days church. And first of all, I'm going to tell you what that is not. It is not the eschatological mindset of 99% of the day's churches in the United States of America. Now, I'm not talking about the rapture, whether it's pre, mid, or post, as some argue about. I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about this. One of the great old Christians, Jewish Jewish Christians, if you will, preacher, writer, a teacher, he's in heaven now. But he said this. He said, harmless charismatica in Christianity that is irrevocably played out without any conscious awareness of any cosmic drama in which the church is set. You said, man, what are you talking about cosmic drama? We're living here in Southern California and um you're talking about something, uh, the co yes, the cosmic drama. I, I read an article by Mr. Barna, you know, that they do research among Christians. They keep up with what they believe is going to be the trend years down the road, if you will. And they're 
almost always pretty well right on it. Mr. Barner came out and they did a research study with the Arizona Christian University. And this is what they came up with. They did this study and they surveyed Christians all across this nation, maybe Canada as well. And they said out of 167 so-called million Christians, they included Catholic and all in that, out of that many people, they determined, or they had questions in there about being born again, about uh, uh, regeneration, about uh, uh, you know moral issues, homosexuality, abortion, so forth and so on. But out of those 160-something million so-called Christians, they determined that only 6% of them had a biblical worldview. I mean, that really believed the Bible at in any way whatsoever. 6%. Think about it. And they Now, out of the 167 million, they deter, saw that 60, maybe 69% did not believe the Holy Ghost was a real person. And, but listen, out of the 6%, of those who had a biblical worldview, 39% of them didn't believe the Holy Ghost was real. They just believe he's a kind of a, uh, you know, a figurehead, you know, just something that's there, religious symbolism somehow. I'm telling you, when you take the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit out of the church, you have no church. There is no church, folks. You can believe that. But think about that. And, and out of the uh, uh, out of the 18 and 19 year olds in this country who claim to be Christian, they found that only 2% had a biblical worldview. No wonder we're in the mess we're in when it comes to Christianity in this hour. So they have no biblical worldview, much less a cosmic view or of the cosmic drama that's about to take place. What is that drama? It is an awareness that we, the people today, are moving toward a climax. We're moving toward a conclusion that is near and that these are indeed the last days. It's not just something mama talked about or grandma talked about or you listen to somebody talk about it on, on the YouTube channel. But folks, we got to wake up because we are there. We are that people. We are the end time people. When the last days, the writer said, when the last days become a wordplay, a monologue of tradition, he said, we miss it all entirely. And he said, may the last days be for us. Or in other words, just let it come. Let the people of God be what the people of God are supposed to be. Amen. It's easy to talk about and testify about and sing about it. I'm a soldier in the Lord's army. But you haven't got in the battle yet, really. But when the battle comes, man, then sing the song. And that's what he's saying. Just let it come. We are the people of God in this hour. Wordplay. That's any preaching like this. This morning on the end time, perplexing times, the chaotic state of the world that we're living in. You, you say that, and I, I, I hate to use this. I put it in my notes, but I just put modern churchettes. But I, I don't know, maybe that's a little too harsh. But when you talk about these times, and please let me explain this. Uh, at first, it'll seem really harsh and kind of against our theology, if you will. But when you talk about things like I'm talking about, you know, to Christians, you say, and they say, man, we're out of here. 
We're out of here. Hey, we're, 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 I understand that. I know he's coming. I believe that. I've preached that all these 43 years this, this month. Amen. I have, I have preached that there's going to be a soon coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. But they say, man, we're out of here. And I tell them, I say, well, I'm always watching, but you've got to remember something, folks. I've been looking for him to come now for nearly 45 years this coming November. I, I was looking for him then at any time. Forty-something years have gone by. I'm not saying it'll take that long now. I do not believe that it will at all. I'm just saying this. We, we, we're right here. This is the people of God, and right here is where we are in this day of March in 2023. Well, he could come right here, but then he may not come to right here. It could be even right here. But look here. There's a lot of living could be in between these two that the church is about to face stuff we've never faced before. Can anybody tell me that you've ever seen a day like today? I mean, think about it, folks. He said, as it was in the days of Sodom, as it was in the days of Gomorrah, or in the days of of, 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 uh, uh of Lot and Noah, I should say. I'll get it out in a minute. As it was in those times where evil was only evil was on the minds of men continually. As it was in the days when perversion was rampant. I'm telling you, we're living in a time when they're mutilating young teenagers' body in the name of democracy and morals and whatever. It's a demon-possessed world that we're living in. And most politicians in this age are full of the demonic and most of the leadership of this age and, and the heads of our secular and even so-called Christian uh, institutions today, much of that, not all, but much of that is headed by people that have a spirit of Antichrist in their lives. And, and, and we, we've got to wake up, man. We are getting so used to the dark that we can't see these are indeed. The, the last time and we are the church of the end of days uh, and I don't know when he's coming I know it's soon I believe but I just don't know when that is and I just do know this that you and I are, we, we think we've been through some stuff no we're just getting started the band just got to play it the true church that is awake and will understand something about the last days more clearly. That the true end of days church is eschatology minded or the end of time minded. That everything is moving to a consummation. We're, we're rushing toward the end of this thing. They're aware of the beginning but they're not locked into the present. It's a mentality if you will. I'm, I'm supposed to fly next month to Argentina. And I, I've never been to this particular church. I've never been met this particular leader. I have friends that have, and they've talked to me about it, about how my preaching and his kind of go hand in hand or believe in the same line here about the end time as far as what the church's responsibility is. And he, he's, he, they have a large 
church and then they have a school for they bring young people in from all over the nation and the world and and so uh but he told he told a friend of mine a leader in the church in spain he said we are retraining our people we are we are trying to create a culture among our church and change the culture if you will of our church to be a church of the end of time an end of time church or an end of days church if you will I don't know exactly what he means by that but I am so interested in that I am planning to to go down they have invited me to come to the school and to the church and everything I want to know because that intrigues me because what, what troubles me is here in the United States of America very few people and very few preachers if you will are dealing with that in their church They mention the coming of the Lord and the Lord's coming, but they're not preparing their people for the days of the end. I'm not talking about great tribulation. I'm just telling you that before the great tribulation, it can get tough. Amen. Really tough. And I'm afraid there are just too many people not prepared, not only to survive, I don't think he wants us just to survive. I think he wants us to be the light and the salt that he intended for the church to be in this hour. Uh, Unless that disturbs us, disturbs the church, it is not the true church. And it does not have an end of days mindset that we're moving toward a climax in which the powers of darkness are fearful. Think about it. Now I know what I'm about to give you is in, in, in the future, in the tribulation, but it does give us an example of what I'm talking about in Revelation 12 and 12. They're aware their time is short. He said, therefore rejoice ye heavens and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil has come down unto you having great wrath because he knoweth, knoweth that he hath but a short time. It's going to be a hell on earth in one sense until Jesus comes. It'll be a revival among the remnant on the other hand till he comes. My words may be a little strong and possibly unpalatable for some, but I feel constrained by the Spirit of God concerning the things that have been preaching and will preach in the future the church now this, I may seem like I'm going to contradict this a little later, but the church was never meant to live in survivor mode. For you to just come in on, and I'm not just preaching this to you, but yet I'm preaching to you this morning, just to come in on Sunday morning and sit in these nice cushioned chairs and get blessed and enjoy the wonderful singing and feel the presence of the Lord and just kind of go back out there and try to hold on to next Sunday and keep from backsliding or keep from doing, you know. No, no, no. We, it never was meant to be that kind of a church. Once you get in the kingdom, you see, it's not really, and I'll get to that in a moment, it's not just about you. Uh, the early church was born in the fires of persecution, suffering, trials, and even death. Can I tell you this morning, and I believe I'm absolutely correct in this assumption, that there's a lot of folks up there in the halls of Congress, if they could legally get by with it, 
They would put a lot of us to death here this morning. They wouldn't think twice about it. Or at the most, or at the least, I should say, to put us in type of some type of prison or restraint because they hate us, folks. Hmm. The early church, it grew in the blood-soaked soil of those first believers in Christ, Yeshua. Even in the end of days, the really end of days, in the tribulation that's coming for those that will be here, be left, and there are people that will be born again in that tribulation. I'm, I'm certain the Bible teaches that. But even then it will flourish the church in such soil. What's left? Revelation 12 and 11. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto death. Man. Wouldn't that be amazing if we could just get a hold of that type of Christianity in 2023 in most of our spirit-filled churches in this country? We could turn it upside down, I can assure you. The end of days church has an apocalyptic mindset. And again, I'm not just talking about a great tribulation. I know there's debate over that. I just tell him I'm looking for him because he said look for him. I'm watching because he said always to watch. And I'll leave the theologians to debate all of that time and everything. But, but the church is looking for that. And they know it's the end of days. And they know it's apocalyptic times. And that things can get really, really bad before he does come. And but yet that church is not afraid. The real church, because I'm really, I'm really troubled by the fear I see in modern Christianity. The fear I see in Christians today when you preach things like this and talk about it. I, I, I'm just telling you, they, they feel like and they even say, I don't want to hear it because if we can ignore it, if we just don't hear it, then we won't have to think about it. But you can't help but think about it because it's, it's going to be in your face more and more and more. And especially you folks, man, you live out on this golden side, the golden state, but it won't be so golden I mean, the evil man, the evil, you know, it's everywhere. It's all over the country, I can assure you. But you know what I'm saying. And people, you know, they just feel like if I can just ignore that. I, I really believe that majority of Christians in, in spirit-filled churches really don't want this to be the end of days. They don't want this to be a time of the beginning of sorrows. And they, they really don't want this to be the time of the coming of the Lord. Because, you know, really, life isn't so bad. I've got the best job that I've ever had in my life and I, I've got stuff, man, and I've got my, I've got my home and I've got kids and grandkids maybe and, and, uh, and I'm doing pretty good and well, I'm going to tell you, get ready for the change, the shocker, uh, you know, thing, things again, it, it's getting, it's going to get worse and worse. I mean, man, I just think of the foolishness that's going on in this age. And people say, well, if we can just have another election, that's what they said last November. But that changed absolutely nothing. Because God is the one who sets up and takes down. Amen. You know, God's not affected by the title of a Democrat or Republican. God's an independent, amen. And he just does what he wants to do. And if, he, if he's ready for Ahab to rule, then Ahab will be in power because he'll use Ahab to judge Israel. 
for folks to survive. Now here seems like the contradiction as Christians. God never meant for the church to be survivalists, but then I'm just saying that if they survive as Christians, there has to be a radical, fast-track change in our Christianity. We're just kind of in a rut. We've done it this way for all of our lives and our parents' lives, and we go to church and we get blessed and we give our offerings by our tithe, and, and maybe, maybe, you know, some make it back on a midweek service, and, and then uh, we, we're back and we get involved in the little uh, events that take place, and nothing wrong with that at all. Thank God for them and the church dinners and the church uh, uh, work and maybe some different things, you know, we're involved in it, and, we, and then we go about our lives, but really our lives are centered around our lives and our children and our families and our homes and our jobs, our careers and so forth. And we just thank God for the peace that comes when we go to church and it helps us. But but really within that early church that the job was just to survive on. That's it. Their whole life was the church. Their whole life was the kingdom of God. And they knew, especially the Roman church, you know, in Rome in the early days, they knew that every time they had a service which was not usually scheduled because they couldn't schedule it. They'd have to do it in secret. And they knew every time that happened, they didn't know if they were coming back home or not. They didn't know if they were going to make it through the night or not when they would go out into the, into the woods or wherever it may be or into the catacombs and have their services and pray and so forth because they knew it could be the last night on earth that they've ever be, they would ever be in a service. And, and so everything is about that. But people will not be able. There has to be a, a radical change that come in us. I was in my uh, home that we, we, we were living in and now have moved to another home, but we've, um, I was there one night in the living room, so I, uh, in the dark, just there with the Lord, and so I had to go back to the back, to the restroom, to be honest, and I just went back, but on the way there, I know I heard the Lord's voice say to me that, that, that the preachers in America, there has to be a radical change come. That the Christians in America, there's going to have to be a radical change come for them to even survive the future. To make it. Much less to do the will and the purpose of God. Oh, I don't win many contests. I've been the favorite now. I can tell you preaching like this because it gets iffy with even preachers today. I know not this one. I know better. But I'm just saying with, it, with many today because this, it's just better if we don't say anything. But no, I'll have to stand before God. I have to say something. Have to say it. Most will be blindsided and they won't survive the future because they can't believe that God would let us face these things. You remember when I preached here, I don't know, maybe two or three years ago, I don't remember exactly, but about that suffering, that we may know Him in suffering, and how that uh, we, we have this concept of God, this thinking about God, but yet God doesn't act the way that we've always been taught that God acts and does, and it just kind of throws us off. And we get really unsettled about it, and we just we can't accept it, and so people will be blindsided in the future. We have to read his word, folks, and hide that word in his heart. When he speaks of sitting in heavenly places, it's not a Pentecostal, no preaching 
service, you know, where we just have a one, and I believe in those, but where we just have a big time, man. I know in the South where we were raised up, they'd get to singing and worshiping and shouting and running, and people would go to prayer, and you know, and it was good. I mean, I'm, I'm not, but sometimes that got to the point to where they didn't want to hear the preaching. Come on now, but they think, man, have all. Oh, they said we had a heavenly time tonight. We didn't, have, but no, that's not what it talks is talking about when it's saying the church is to sit in heavenly places. The end of days church understands or will that this is war that we're in right now, and the end is upon us, and things are going to intensify every day from now on. The weak, anemic church age that you and I are living in, church folks that think. Spiritual warfare is standing your ground with a brother or sister in the church that scolded your child in Sunday school and you stood your, that's not spiritual warfare. That could have happened here, I have no idea, I'm just telling you. And that's that, you know, or maybe that hurt your hurt your feelings you stood your ground when they hurt your feelings at the chicken dinner you had I don't I'm just telling you no that's not spiritual warfare the end of days church understands that we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers against uh, the rulers of the darkness of this world and against spiritual wickedness in high places. God help us across this country of ours. We still engage in our churches. I've been doing this for 40, preaching 43 years and traveling this country and the world, but we, we engage in our long-held traditions of stagnant services throughout this country and then we wonder why nobody don't want to come. And I've seen that, you know, all you little children come on up here this morning, yeah, line up here and, and do your little thing, and oh, Brother Turner, we've done this in this church for the last 80 years. I thought, yeah, go right ahead. And when they get grown up and gone, they're gone. That's it. We lose them. We lose them to alcohol and drugs and perversion. Or if they go to church somewhere, it's a hip-hop church that we it grieves us that they've gone to. I'm just telling you, because we have just kind of played church and kiddie church with our children. The true end of days church will train them for war. Come on now. Amen. I have a, a friend. You'd know him and he, I, I'm dealing with this, not this message, but just dealing about this end of times thing. And he believes that and he's a brilliant Brilliant mind, good brother, loves God. And here, maybe a couple of years ago, he sat his son down. At that time, he was 14 years old. Very intelligent young man. But he sat him down and he said, I want to tell you, I want to talk to you. He said, I, I want you to understand that we're entering into a different time. A day like no other. We're coming down to the end. And he said, you've got to know this that you may have to give your life for Christ in the future, in this country. Oh, you said he shouldn't have done that. Well, sure he should have. And so should you. Oh, I don't want to scare them. Scare them. Come on. You know what we've done? We've, we've kind of played church with our children these days. Instead of putting them out there and letting them realize, even at a young age, that there's something about this Christianity worth losing your life for. 
There's something about this. You know, this is not a game. This is not just a better life. This is not just claiming a better car, a bigger house, or whatever, or success in life. That this could mean death. That this could mean a prison for some of you. This, Come on, I'm preaching to you. say, but we're living in America. Wait a minute, folks. Has anybody noticed what's happened to America lately? We Sure, we should. We're not to train them, not against flesh and blood, but to help them to understand we're going to battle the powers of darkness. That the whole armor of God isn't, isn't to resist a spiritual cold, but to, to fight against the cancer of fallen angels and the powers of darkness and the heavenlies. And, and, and you know, I said to a pastor friend, and he's preached here, uh, some, it's been a, some time ago, and I, I pulled up in the driveway, was on the phone, and we, I was talking about this and about these, how the Bible tells us, you know, what we're, we're waging that spiritual warfare, but I said, I don't want it to come off like the fad from years ago when they were teaching so-called spiritual warfare and they were looking for a demon behind every tree. I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about the spiritual warfare that's a reality that's out there. It's not just somebody in an audience. It's people. It's the powers of darkness. They're real, folks. This is bigger than that. We're heavenly people in heavenly places with actions that have heavenly consequences. When the Bible talks about we'll give an account for every idle word, it's not just because of the idle word, it's because what you speak here has an effect in a world that's not here. It has, a, has an effect, it has a heavenly effect, it has heavenly consequences. Everything we do here has consequences. You said explain that. If I could, then I, I, I'd, I'd be a scholar, I'm telling you. I can't explain it. I just know that's true. That everything that we do has an impact there in that world. No wonder we are, we are met now making known the manifold wisdom of God, the principalities and powers in the heavenlies, in the universe. Everything we say. That's the reason we can't play church anymore. We just can't play games with this anymore. It's not about us, folks. Listen, and I have to really, really be clear with this, but it's not about it's not about our fellowship, our organization, our ministries, our own Christianity, but it's about Him. It's always been about Him. I tell folks, I was raised up in Pentecost, except for the years I was out of the church as a teenager in a way, but, but all my young life, and then afterward, of course, and I've, watched, I've watched folks all my life in those churches, and they spent all of their Christian life, if, if they made it, uh, trying to keep from backsliding. Just spinning their wheels, you know, just trying to keep, and never was used for the kingdom of God. Well, if you have to do it to keep it from backsliding, then do it. But I'm just saying that's never the intent of God. Never the intent of God. Because it's not about you nor about me. We like to think that, man. We make up songs like that about, oh, it just, you know, I'm going to give you a sample about that. It wasn't about Israel. Now that shocks people, and it sure would shock Israel, but it wasn't ever about them. Yes, God loved them. They're the apple of his eye. So are we as a church. But it never was about them. 
And I believe what we, I can show you that. It's, it's, it's never been God's plan for man. It's about God's plan for Christ. Come on. Israel was chosen. They were God's people. The people of the promise. The people of the covenant. They still have a covenant. I don't care what these religious brainstormers say. God still has a covenant with them. It won't save them. But he's going to keep that covenant with them. They'll come to Christ like anybody else. But he's going to keep his covenant with Abraham. But when engaged in war, they were getting ready to enter the promised land. We get a divine scriptural revelation. Well, I tell you, it came to me. I was riding on a plane working on this message. I never thought about this in my whole ministry of Christian life. Joshua 5, 13 started. When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us, art thou for us, or for our adversaries? And he said, talking about the man with the sword drawn, said, Nay or no, but as captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. And then Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith my Lord to, unto his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. And Joshua did so. Now many believe this could be the Old Testament Christ. It was not an angel. Angels did not receive worship, folks. It was a divine person. And he said, Pull your shoe off your stand on holy ground and we know listen God's going to lead Israel in he's going to bless them in the promised land he's going to give them the land he's going to give them victory but when Joshua asked the divine person who are you are you for them no well well are you for us no well, you got to be for one or the other. No. He said to him, I am the captain of the host of the Lord. You know what I'm here for? You're going to go in. You're going to get the victory. You're going you're to claim the promised land. But what I'm doing is I'm using you. You're going to give a, a Messiah. You're going to have a Messiah born of God through a young version. And you're going to give the world a Savior and a Messiah. It's not about you. It's about the Messiah. It's about Christ. You're just going to be used to produce him. Say amen, somebody. And that's the same way with the church, folks. Paul wrote and said, you were without promise. You were without hope. You were alienated from the covenant of Israel and everything. But then he went on to say, but now through Christ Jesus, the blood of Christ, you, you, have, been, you have been made nigh. You were far off, but been made nigh by the blood of Christ. In other words, you were whole Hopeless and worthless. In the 11th chapter of Romans, he said, the reason you were grafted in is to make Israel jealous. And I tell people, I say, you and I are being used. But thank God we're being used. I don't care how or why I'm grafted in. I'm just, thank God I'm in. Because I know it's not about me, it's about Him. Oh, when the church, when the church, I, I preach a message at times, and not often, but I should, I guess, called the restoration of that which was lost. How we got to come back to the place. It's not about me. It's not about a church. It's not about Israel. It's about God the Son. Hallelujah. No wonder, brother. 
Clendenin used to say to me, and I was embarrassed to ask him what he meant because I didn't want to sound ignorant. He said, son, we'll be learning Christ for eternity. And I, I would think to myself, what is there to learn? He's the Son of God, born of a virgin. He lived. He died on a cross. He was raised the third day. He sits at the right hand of God. But then when I got older and I got to see him this a little deeper, I realized, I said, we're going to learn Christ for eternity. You'll never know the depths of Christ. You'll never come to the end of that. Hallelujah. Oh, i got to quit. So the end of days church has an apocalyptic mindset. It's a true Christian, a true church that has a... Rat. Listen now, this is, it sounds nuts. I know it does today, but it, the church, the real church has a radical anticipation of the end. Man, we are there. Bad as it is and bad as it may get, we're there. Uh, not just that Jesus is coming, folks, to get us out. He is. But that we're going to be engaged like we, the modern church, has never been engaged at least in our generations. When I preached the first gathering, 2020 of January, I made a statement. And I didn't know that in about a month and a half, our world was going to be shaken to the core as we know it. And I said, I believe the Lord has shown me that the church is like in a sports arena type setting where that we're all sitting in the stands. And out on the field, we're cheering our favorite preacher, our favorite religious personality, and we're cheering our favorite worship leaders and singers and so forth. But I said, God is about to push us out of the stands and push us onto the field, and we're going to be engaged or we're going to be out. Well, a month and a half later, the world turned upside down. And you know what I'm saying. And, and, and now it's, it's really turning upside down in different ways. And we're going to be engaged or we're going to be out. Uh, powers of the universe are watching. Let me close with this. I see coming in the days ahead until Jesus returns. Persecution. Like we have not known in this country. Suffering, being a type of control. I'm just telling you, folks, I didn't see it on the YouTube, but I get to talk to people sometimes that know, know a little clear about things and see things that we don't really fully understand. But they said in 1996, our government did a, some type of study. And uh, they came up with the five most uh, groups that were to be put on watch list. In 1996, the number one was the church, the radical Christian. They had Muslims. I don't know what number they were at the time. And then there were groups that were really not Christian at all, you know. They said recently... That has changed. Now the church is number five and some have moved up. I'm just telling you what. But you saw where the FBI is in the news, Fox News, some time ago. The FBI had a, had a, 
paper and list about the Catholic Church, about the radical Catholics, you know, that were against some of the things going on in this country. And they were trying to put them on a radical terrorist watch list. Because they disagree with what the government is doing. Man, what a day, huh? We're being watched. You know, people just laughed off about those internment camps. They came out and said they were building. Man, I got the news some time ago. You know, people that are aware of such things, that those are realities. Radical Christians will eventually be reprogrammed. Because you're a threat. A threat to what, preacher? Have you not noticed in our world the talk of how only a one-world government can save us all? Mr. Kloss, at the, was it called Devos? Is that it? An economic forum? They're talking just a one-world government. And AI, artificial intelligence, is another thing. The beast was given power to speak. An inanimate object was given power to speak. Folks, we're there. Got to wake up. We're the church of the end of days. The true church of Jesus will be formed in the fire of adversity. It will come forth as gold. There will be those who would demonstrate the life of Jesus who will stand in these days. This lost world, the Jews who have not accepted Messiah will watch the church. Now listen now, if I, was a prop, if I prophesied, I'd prophesy this to you. They'll watch the church suffer and even suffer for standing for the Jews who are being persecuted more than ever in the end time. The universe will be watching. The church will become formed into the fullness of the stature of Christ. It will become glorious. The Son of God will come and receive it without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. Amen. Um, would you stand?